It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The offseason is fully upon us at this point for those of us covering the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm joined by Joe Goodberry today to get into what the Bengals team needs are in 2023. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, joined today by Joe Goodberry, former co-host of the Locked On Bengals podcast, as we get into some of the Bengals team needs heading into free agency and the draft coming up around the corner. Before we know it, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network here on Locked On Bengals, bringing you coverage of your team free and available every day on YouTube. Anywhere you get your podcast, you can hit the subscribe button. The follow button will be delivered to your devices every day when we upload our new content. And you can join the many other Bengals fans that make us their first listen every day. Today's episode of Locked On Bengals is brought to you by Nissan. The only thing more exciting than the big game is the all-new, all-electric Nissan Aria. The Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Learn more at NissanUSA. Joe, I think that you and I have always had really interesting conversations when we've talked about what exactly are the team needs for the Bengals. And in the past when we've done this, I think we've spent weeks on this when when we had this podcast and it was just you and I in the past. And we would talk about what are the immediate needs? What are the two-year needs? What are the long-term needs? And maybe we get into some of that today. That There's obviously some very pressing needs for this team, the first of which is what we talked about on yesterday's show, which is extending Joe Burrow. But when you look at things and, and you look at positional spending, one of the things I know you like to do, you, you add a little bit of money for Joe Burrow, right? Because there's a little bit of money that they're going to spend on the quarterback position. And I say that tongue in cheek uh, because it's probably going to be like $100 million they're going to spend on the quarterback position this offseason. But in terms of the cap hit, it will be a little bit more. Where, where do you think there's money to spend when you look at this stuff? What's the breakdown? Yeah, you know, I love uh, positional spending and looking at it from a cap perspective. And you'll get in the cash and cap, I'm sure, in another episode and, and be able to break that down and how that will be different and especially different for the Bengals. But I like to look at it because there's another need, not just future, not just immediate, not developmental needs. There's where do where can we spend money in free agency, right? If you're already up against positional spending and, and these are kind of like soft caps or maybe like suggestions right parameters you probably shouldn't be the highest spending running back team in the league if you expect to be a passing team which the Bengals at running back right now are currently going into the offseason with the eighth largest cap hit on the depth chart and that's before smart jp ryan uh, presumably gets signed in the offseason so do you want to do that and does that mean i can go out and get a free agent or does that mean i'm if you want to upgrade the running back room without making big cuts it's probably going to have to be through the draft because you're already spending so much money at that position. I think the same goes for like defensive line. I think we'd all agree we'd like to see another defensive lineman added at some point. I think an interior guy, even though they drafted Zach Carter in the third round last year, maybe he develops into that other guy. But as of now, 
if you read the whole book of what he did his rookie year, I'm not ready to just plug him in and say, all right, you're going to take another uh, 500 snaps this following year and really cut down B.J. Hills a little bit, get him back to where he was in 2021. Instead, they're second going into 2023, second most money spent cap hit wise on the defensive line. Can you bring in a big high priced Javon Hargrave type that's going to command 12 to $15 million a year? I don't think you can. I think it has to come in the form of a draft pick when your top four starters are all making good veteran money. Yeah, the B.J. Hill contract weighing into the already sizable D.J. Reader and Trey Hendrickson free agency deals plus the extension for Sam Hubbard leads to a very expensive defensive front. All those guys, all those starters on their second contract. The Bengals actually have the fifth highest interior defensive line cap hit in the NFL, and that's because D.J. Reader and B.J. Hill combined for, what, $26 million against the cap, $27 million against the cap or so in 2023 and that's one of the things we've talked about as a potential need is is making a splash on a veteran pass rusher somewhere but maybe it has to be joseph size that carter cam sample stepping up plus draft additions plus something because they do need to probably replace josh tupo mm. right and so we could talk about some of the individual positions they need to replace but we will get there we will talk about offensive teenies we'll talk about the poll Joe Goodberry put up on Twitter on Monday that got some interesting results, uh, I would say. And the, the one very conspicuous area for this team, Joe, where they're not spending money and they're among the league uh, leaders in spending the least amount of money on this position is tight end, yeah. which is certainly something that we'll need to talk about. Hayden Hurst, a free agent. That means the Bengals have... $3 million of cap hits for tight ends in 2023. And I, I don't even know where those all come from because Drew Sample is also a free agent. That's only Mitchell Wilcox. So I wonder where that actually comes from. But they certainly will make a move at that position. Yeah, the other one for me are linebacker and defensive back. A linebacker, they rank 28th in money allocated to linebacker. Makes sense. Jermaine Pratt's a free agent. Your guys that you've drafted that are young, that have been cheap for you are now up for contracts, whether that's an extension for Logan Wilson or biting the bullet in free agency and keeping Jermaine Pratt. The one thing to note there is if you look at positional spending around the league, the Chiefs and the Eagles are near the bottom of the league. I mean, as we've talked about position value before plenty of times, you kind of don't want to pay running backs. You don't want to pay linebackers. Are they going to make that mistake twice by keeping Joe Mixon and keeping Samaji P. Ryan and then paying Jermaine Pratt? And then you're really, I mean, that just goes kind of against how this team is built in a lot of ways. Uh, but I can see them doing that and keeping uh, Jermaine Pratt. And that defensive back makes a lot of sense. Jesse Bates, his big cap numbers coming off with the tag coming off this year. And then you have Von Bell, who's a free agent. And you also have Eli Apple, who's a free agent. How many of those guys do you get back? How many do you want back? I think there are op- opportunities, even though you probably want Von Bell. And I could see this team wanting Von Bell. Where does Lou Rumo go? If he goes anywhere, does that affect this? I think that's going to be a domino that you know we have to fa- see fall in the next week or so, maybe two weeks. And could you upgrade or sign a different veteran? And I think there are a few out there. I I kind of alluded to it a little bit on Twitter. I do think, again, it's a good safety free agent class. There's also a chance they cut Joe Mixon in that running back number we talked about changes. We talked a lot about whether or not Joe Mixon has a place on this roster last week, late last week, uh, before the news broke, that uh, he may or may not have some, some legal system 
some some legal issues of his own to deal with that the Bengals will have to navigate. But do you, do you think that there's any changes coming to positional value at the linebacker position, or is that is that noise with with guys like obviously Fred Warner with the impact that we've seen from the Bengals finally having a duo of linebackers? Because I agree, like if you're paying your linebackers, what's going to give? Yeah. Right now they're very cheap in the secondary. You've got a rookie deal for Dax Hill. You've got only one cornerback making any money. I, I guess really you have two cornerbacks combining to make mid-tier money yeah. in, in Cheeto and, and in Mike Hilton. And both of those guys only have one and two years left on their deals anyway. So yeah. that's where the draft pick at cornerback comes from that you're seeing in some of the mock drafts. That's where that long-term need that that two-year need is coming from for the Bengals. But I mean, you know, that money's going to go to like quarterback. It's going to go to wide receiver for the Bengals. It's going to go to tight end a little bit. Hard to see them keeping both linebackers for sure. The thing about linebacker, though, is while I, I've i grown to really appreciate Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt, right? Because I think we really underestimated or maybe didn't value linebacker when the linebackers kind of sucked for a while and they couldn't cover. Yeah. And now they're athletic and fun and they make plays. And I'm like, yeah, this is great. I want to keep these guys. Um, but the replacement cost is cheap for linebacker, right? We're talking about some of the best in the league as you were like rattling off uh, different teams. I like, yeah, the Bills have Matt Milano. He's we're talking about fourth, fifth round pick there. I can remember it was, it was pretty late, but Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson, third rounders, Akeem Davis Gaither is probably going to step into that role. We're talking fourth rounder. If that's what it costs to replace these guys and save eight to 12 million, it's probably worth it. It's one of the cheaper positions that you feel comfortable uh, drafting a guy in the mid rounds. Really the defensive analog to running back. And speaking of running back, speaking of tight end, let's start with team needs on offense. Obviously, offensive line going to be part of this conversation as well, given the the poll that you did on Monday, Joe. And so we'll get into some team needs on the offensive side of the ball outside of just a spending perspective coming up next. Today's episode of Lockdown Bengals brought to you by Ultimate Football GM, which we've talked about before, this mobile game app that lets you take control of your team and well chris carter of locked on steelers was our champion and in our in our locked on host league so we got to knock chris off the pedestal of course the steelers guy can't have that you as a bengals fan can sign up and take your cincinnati bengals to their heights with ultimate football gm hiring the right coaches and coordinators trading players navigating your franchise through free agency in the draft and all the things that joe and i love to talk about at this time of year as we're getting into the off season. So in this challenging and realistic game world, ultimate football GM is completely free to play. You can play it offline. And right now you can get a 100% free boost to your franchise using promo code locked on in all caps in the game store. That's locked on in all caps. So again, you can check it out in the game store or go to ultimate gm.com ultimate jet ultimate gm.com for ultimate football GM, where you can start your dynasty today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Joe, let's talk offensive needs. A lot of people talking about tackles. Jonah Williams on that fifth-year option, the only way you're replacing him is if you trade Jonah Williams. 
And if you want to get rid of Jonah Williams and you're a Bengals fan, that means you want to sell low on Jonah Williams because you want to get rid of him because you think he's not a good enough left tackle. What is what's his sell low value? Not to cut you off. Fourth rounder? That that's what I would think. You know, if you're lucky at that at that salary. Right. You know, may, maybe you get you catch a team that has a draft crush on him and thinks they can buy low and extend him for a late third. Yeah. But you're not getting a first. No. All, all all you guys that are sending your PFF draft simulators with Jonah Williams and the Bengals first round pick for like a top five pick. The the PFF draft simulator needs to be looked at a little bit for some of the trades I've seen <laughs> coming out of that one. But left tackle is going to be Jonah Williams next year. A lot I of agree. people want Jackson Carmen to have his shot. I have a hard time believing that that's going to happen. I guess we'll see, you know, come training camp, come, come OTAs, what kind of run Jackson Carmen's getting uh, right tackle though. I think we could talk about left guard. I think we could talk about center and right guard. We cannot talk about Alex Kappa and Ted Karras are going to be the guys mm-hmm. at center and right guard. But Lyle Collins, I think is really interesting. And Cordell Volson is secondarily interesting to me, uh, Joe, because Collins coming off that surgery, not playing his best football in the first place, a contract that the Bengals could get out of if they decide they want to. How would you handicap the odds of the Bengals trying to improve at right tackle this year? Because I don't know that they will, but I feel that they should. Improve is an interesting way to, to frame it, though, because I think you try could spend, to improve. Let's say, does that include an, a draft pick in the first two rounds? Is that trying to improve, or is that trying to have depth, have options, have you know it's somebody in, there? It's in the first two rounds, I'd say, is trying to improve. Yeah, I would say so too. And I think I think you'd probably keep Collins until that happened because you never know what's going to happen in in the draft mm-hmm. if you get the guy you want or projected or whatever the case may be. Uh, and Collins, I could see him starting the year on the pup list, right? And at that point, his he's basically his contract is a per game active contract still. It if you get him to week six, week eight, or whatever it is, where he's now coming off the pup list and can help you, or maybe he's a backup, whatever the case may be, it's not a lot of it's not a big issue for me at that point to keep him, but I think a lot of people have kind of overrated what he did this year. He was bad in a lot of ways. He couldn't move. And we talk about it from a player evaluation perspective. When a guy can't move, Burrow could not hold the ball. He could not extend plays. Couldn't try to create with him diving at guys just to, you know, defend them from the arc from getting to, to Burrow. And I even broke down the first eight weeks and the, and the final seven weeks that he played. He actually, because a lot of people thought he got better. So I looked it up on PFF. His final seven weeks were actually a little bit worse. His pass block efficiency was worse. He was giving up more pressures per play. And I was surprised at that. And I looked at Jonah, and it was the opposite for Jonah. Jonah actually got better in the final eight games. All of Jonah's issues were in like the first three weeks of the season, right? Yeah, and then that Browns game on Monday night where he got destroyed. But, yeah, after that, he was actually pretty fine. Uh, So I put this poll up today talking about offensive line, and I said, uh, what is the biggest – hole or area for improvement or need on the offensive line is it left tackle is it left guard is it right tackle or is it increasing the quality of depth uh and i think a lot of people would would like that one i actually thought that would get more than it did and it pretty much split three ways between left tackle right tackle and quality of depth almost nobody voting for left guard at all as if they don't see the opportunity to upgrade left guard is interesting because there is reason to think that Cordell Volson could get better. There's also reason to think that he's capped out. He is playing a new position. It was his first year in the NFL. So coming into the league old, that doesn't mean you're not going to get better. 
it could be a Clint Bowling kind of thing where he he Clint Bowling wasn't great his rookie year. No, that was his worst year as a pro. No, he played about three hundred snaps. I want to say that year. Yeah, it wasn't a full full load like we saw from full load of snaps like we saw from Cordell Volson, who played the entire year and thirteen hundred had some really impressive games. Also, wasn't very consistent. And so, if you were to ask me, would would I rather improve? You know, would would I rather Cordell Volson be a backup? There's a pretty easy case to make there that says, yeah. You could you could improve at that left guard spot. You could solidify your interior offensive line. And look at what Patrick Mahomes just did with no receivers. And this is a whole offensive line versus wide receiver discussion. He has Travis Kelsey, obviously, uh, with a really, really good interior line. Kind of underscoring the value of having a good interior line because the Bengals were beating up those tackles for the Chiefs pretty well. The interior holds up, it gives you a chance. And and so, you know, losing both. Losing Kappa as well, obviously, it was a big, big issue here where Chris Jones was wrecking havoc on the Bengals' interior. But I was surprised to see almost nobody vote for Cordell Wilson and the preponderance of votes for, for Jonah Williams. I can see the depth and right tackle. Those two make a lot of sense for me because of the question marks around Lyle Collins' health because we just saw what happens when your depth is tested. But at the same time, there's no NFL team outside of maybe Philly. And maybe Green Bay, because of their coaching and this, the way that they seem to get guys to step up, where you can lose your three best linemen on paper, and it wasn't necessarily the case this year because of Ted Karras, and be okay. We've seen this happen before, too. Yeah, it's, it was actually a shame. I, I don't even want to bring this up again. It, it's, it feels terrible to even relive it a little bit, talking about the three guys going down. And you know, after going 15 games, uh, they had the longest snap streak in the league of everyone starting. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. I I think last year, what was the goal, right? Raise the floor. Get no donkeys, as the guys in the athletic put it, right? In their, whenever they talked about the offensive line, you just didn't want that guy that was going to get beat over the head over and over and over again, the way the Bengals did last year at multiple positions. But you didn't want to do that anymore. And I think they accomplished that goal through 15 weeks. Uh, at this point now, though, we're looking at how do you get the offensive line better if even at its best, it's average? Well, then you've got to find opportunity upgrades. And if that means a first, second, third round guy that can come in and just beat out Cordell Volson at left guard, well, then you just let it happen and you get you take the upgrade there. Same goes for both tackle spots. I think they would love to get a tackle in the first, second, third round and get a guy that can play right tackle. And one of these, there's a lot of massive mulling guys. I just got finished mm-hmm. with the senior bowl review stuff. There's a few of them there that could fit this mold and what they look for. And everyone wants to say, well, draft a left tackle, move Jonah. Listen, I, we can do blindside discussion. It doesn't matter. If a guy's a right tackle, he's a right tackle, play him at right. It, Jonah's been at left for how many years now? NFL and Alabama. He's a left tackle at this point until another team decides what they want to do with him in the future. But uh, the point is, I think they would like that. But you can't control the draft. If you're sitting there and a guy that you've got a top 15 grade on plays left guard, or Raker, whatever, but Cap is not moving. And he's and he's there, and you see a clear opportunity to upgrade the interior offensive line. How do you not pull the trigger on that? Yeah, I think that you've got to be open to that in the draft. You've got to be open to tight end in the draft. You've got to be open to running back in the draft. And the other thing on offense is, is probably wide receiver depth. That will be another thing that we can talk about. And, and obviously there are a bunch of starters on defense that we need to talk about. So let's finish up our conversation on the offensive side of the ball. We'll get to defense as well in a longer than normal third segment, because that's what's going to happen when Joe and I get together and talk about things. That's the nature of it. So we'll finish the show 
really with both sides of the ball. Coming up next, today's episode of Locked On Bengals brought to you by Prize Picks Daily Fantasy made easy, done right. You pick two to six players, and whether they will score more or less in their Prize Picks projection, that's all you got to do. Two to six players can do it in 60 seconds or less. You can win up to 25 times your money on your entry. Maybe we should get the Bengals on this to help raise money to pay for Joe Burrow's upcoming extension. You don't compete against other people. It's just you against the projections available. And if the NFL isn't your thing at this point, you want to wait until next year. They've got you covered for every sport, including the NBA, college basketball, and uh, my favorite, uh, disc golf and cricket, which are very fun sports if you haven't played them. Cricket's really hard, though. That one's confusing for people that have played baseball before. Anyway, you can get safe and fast withdrawals operational in 30 states and in Canada. So go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports and get your 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. Again, that's promo code locked on for an instant deposit match up to $100 with Prize Picks. Today's episode of Lockdown Bengals also brought to you by Built Barn. If you're looking for a delicious treat and you don't want the fat, sugar, and calories, you got to go try Built Bars with all the delicious flavors that you've heard about here on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. So if you're getting back into the gym like me and you need a little bit of extra protein in your diet, you can get it with a some with a protein bar that's going to taste like a candy bar covered in 100% real chocolate with flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, which if you like Reese's Cups, that might be your answer, or coconut almond. Don't really know how Built does it, but they really do taste like candy bars with only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein in your typical Built bar. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. If you've got a Sam's Club or Walmart near you, you can go check it out and get a four-bar four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Or go to Sam's Club and get a 13-bar box. Or check it out at Built.com and join the built bar plan with James and myself. And we keep trying to push them on the Bengals and I'm not sure if they've signed up, but built bar is delicious. Go check them out. Sam's club, Walmart or built.com. All right. So let's finish up on the offense because we didn't get through the positions. We got through the offensive line running back to me. We have to see what they're going to do with Joe Mixon first. Looks like a fun running back draft class. Looks like you could, if you're going to be that pass-first offense that we talked about in the first segment, try to live with some Ajay Piran, depending on the kind of deal he wants. I think you're a proponent of having neither guy on, on the Bengals' payroll from a resource allocation perspective next year. Do I have that right, or, or what's your position on um, You can't have both. You definitely can't have both. You cannot have Joe Mixon and some Ajay Piran. If Piran projected $3, 4000000 million uh, a year, and even if it's a one- to two-year deal – and Mixon's going to account for 12. I would work it way too. That's uh, it's already, I feel icky just thinking of the idea of, of spending that much. You're suddenly a top five team in running back spending at that point. That's a starting right tackle. The ball like 40 times a game. It's stupid. You can't do it. And I'm scared they might. And because they like some IJP Ryan and they're loyal to Mixon. And so, you know, we got to see how the legal thing plays out I, apparently, but Man, I'm, I'm nervous about that. But I do think if they draft ahead, which they tend to do, this is the year they would take a running back mm-hmm. somewhere in the mid-rounds, even though it seems like they like to spend a premium pick, a round two pick on these guys over, over the last 10 years or so. Uh, so you could see it there. I just think value-wise, I'd probably want it to be a third, fourth-round guy. 
They need to find a way to get explosive plays, and they need to find a way to get explosive plays in the ground game. When they were just running duo and spamming duo through the mid part of the year when they really got efficient and running the ball, that's fine, but you're not going to get more than like a 10-yard run, maybe a 12-yard run on a lot of those. So I think, because it's cover two, those safeties are eventually going to close and and stop you from going too far. You're going to have to find someone that can make someone miss and make explosive plays in the passing game, and that's where I'm at. The Bengals need to find a way. It's funny because if you asked us last year, they're really explosive. They need to find a way to get more efficient. They got more efficient. Now they need to find a balance again to get more explosive. Top two explosive teams in the league are the Eagles and the Chiefs. If you have one explosive play on your drive, you are four times as likely to score on that drive. That's a PFF stat. Think about that. And the Bengals went a lot of 10, 8 played, 12 play drives in order to manufacture a touchdown. That is not the recipe to keep going. I think the splash plays and the explosives come from the running back position. Yeah. Here. We're going to talk with Mike about that later this week. That's one of the topics that I've been planning to talk with him about is how can they add explosion back to their offense in a big way, the way the teams are playing defense in the NFL right now, because there are ways to do it. And the thing about the Joe Mixon, Samaje Piran discussion is that between the two, Joe Mixon is by far the more explosive player, but maybe not the the player that you want in this style of offense. So so that is where it's tricky. If you bring, if you bring Piran back and you decide to cut Mixon, which is possible, but maybe unlikely. Uh, you, you need to find a home run threat at the position. And I don't think that guy is on the roster right now. The other one on offense is really interesting. Um, you know, wide receiver depth, certainly we could talk about. And, and maybe that comes via the draft. That's a draft need. Yeah. Uh, but, but tight end, I think, is the one where they could go in a number of directions here. You could see Drew Sample back. I don't know what the number would be. I imagine it wouldn't be very large given his career to date and his injury this year when he was looking to probably try to capitalize on a contract year, which is a tough break for him. But even if Sample is back, you're going to pay Hayden Hurst $10 million? Are you asking me? I think that's rhetorical. because It is. Okay. It is rhetorical because those are the contracts currently being projected for guys like Hayden Hurst and Foster Moreau. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. As tight end mark is crazy. Could be eight, nine million dollars for those guys. Because Foster Moreau was the guy that was going to be like, Yeah, let's go get Foster Moreau for five million for a year and give, yeah. give him the Hayden Hurst prove a deal. Who's and the that, Hayden Hurst this year? The one year for four million. Is it an Irv Smith? Could be, yeah. Okay. Because because he was hurt. Yeah. That and that's the kind of the the path I could see them going again is saying, okay, well, Hayden, if you're gonna get eight to ten million, it is what it is. We appreciate you, we like you, we'd love to keep you, can't pay it. All right, so go ahead and go on and do what you got to do. We'll take a veteran that we can find at a bargain that is is we're we're buying low on, and that maybe that's an Irv Smith, and then you're open to the draft again. We were open to the draft last year. I think they yeah. wanted to take a tight end last year. It did. It, it never materialized, and it, the value just never. Remember the run that happened, and we we're like round four, round five. We were like, here comes tight end, tight end, and they all went. And they ended up having decent rookie year. I, I think that class. It's another strong tight end class from all the projections I've read. I haven't gotten to it yet. We will talk about it eventually. But I think this is the year it could happen. You say another. Last year's tight end class was not strong. There were, not there at were the top, clear, right? There were clear tiers of like yes. mid, mid-range mid guys. There weren't the Dawson Knoxes, the, the high-end, up, high-end, low-productivity athletes that you could take a gamble on in the mid-round. So those guys didn't exist last year so much. There was maybe one of them. Uh, yeah. Bellinger, right? I yeah, that, right? I mean, there was there was guys like Charlie Kohler that I liked. Isaiah likely had huge production, but then didn't run a good enough 40 to like really be yeah. an all pro pro bowl type guy. So it, it made it interesting. There was guys you had to choose from. I thought they did well, though. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the class turned out well, but it was not perceived as a strong tight end class. That that was the That's gotta be my memory of just liking enough of them after watching them, huh? Well, because we wanted the Bengals to draft the tight end. That's and we were trying it. to find the, the yeah. where the value was, right? Yeah. And and find those find those uh those fits. This year's class by comparison is actually quite strong at the position. I don't think that anyone would really debate that this class on paper is stronger than last year's class. Who was number one? Trey McBride last year, and he was around pick 40 or so. He was early yeah, second he was round. early two, and, yeah. and he didn't do anything. We could have like three guys go in that range or before this year, it seems, just on projections. we got a long way to go still. but uh, Could have up to four first-round tight ends. Sure. If teams really go for it. Yeah, if they test well and they show all that. Yeah, and that's what makes it interesting because I think you could end up in a scenario where it's best player available – pretty early and then talk about explosive plays and protection i think it goes both ways if you can mm-hmm. find a running back and a tight end that is more explosive and better blockers because protection isn't just the front five blocking up front right your running backs have got to be able to pass protect both of them the two that you use both of them need to be able to pass protect yeah and your tight ends have to help we don't want to see tight ends one-on-one blocking with the ends but they do have to help sometimes and they do have to pick up linebackers and when you asked hayden hurst last year to pass block 15 times all year that's it it means you're using them as a receiver at that point you got to get more explosive than the guy averaging eight yards per catch i like mm-hmm. him after the catch being tough creating some energy but i think we can stretch the seam a little bit well, it's not like he's creating explosives after the catch. He's getting the yards you need after the catch. He's a Mike Allstott after the catch of tight ends, which is That's an fair. analogy I've used a lot of times this year because Samaj P. Ryan's kind of the same guy. The thing with Samaj P. Ryan and the reason that I talked about wanting him back is that he's one of the best pass-protecting backs in the league this year. And they clearly trusted him. He did a really good job in that role. And it's an interesting mix to have a power guy that can also pass protect, right? Because a lot of these guys coming out of college that are passing game backs are normally the smaller, shiftier guys, and they can't well, protect. Or, and so yeah, like, they can't you, protect. Right. So yeah. now you get a guy that – and it's funny because Leonard Fournette turned into that, a guy that was supposed to be like a pure runner, but ended up being a decent protector and decent receiver. For a couple but, of years there. Yeah. But P. Ryan has kind of evolved into that, and you can use that. That has value. And so if you get a young, shifty guy that maybe needs to learn how to protect more because that's how – it usually turns out coming out of college. I think that could be a good blend. Yeah. All right. Is that offense? That's offense. Do they, do they need a backup quarterback, Joe? <laughs> Maybe. I don't, I'm just not worrying about it. Are they ready to sign a Chad Henney? Is that what you want? Do we want to spend $5 million plus? It must this be is, this is honestly a bigger conversation than we have time for because it's getting to that point for me where I want the veteran backup. Really? You value it more now. We're getting to the point where I think the team is good enough where like if you if you had to have a guy for a couple games who could keep you in it and went like you, uh, Brandon Allen is is really like sure budget. If you spot. lose well, Burrow for three games, it shouldn't have to tank your season. Right. Yeah. That that that's that's why it's become more of a prevalent thought for me. You know, you look at what's happened to the Ravens, you look at, you know, even when Patrick Mahomes had to leave for a drive. Um, hey, Tyler Huntley is a Pro Bowl quarterback, Jake. Let's talk about the defense. Great segue. Uh, secondary is is a big one here. Obviously, safeties. Obviously, linebacker. Where maybe there's an error apparent on the team. How do you how do you approach safety if you're the Bengals? You try to bring Von Bell back because I think we can all agree that Jesse Bates is is a significant long shot. Yeah. I, I am I at this point I'm considering Bates is gone. I'm not even yeah. you know really planning on that at all. I think Dax Hill slides into that into that role into that spot. Uh, 
And if you want to keep some continuity back there, if Lou Anarumo's back, if he's not, I think it can probably go both ways. Yeah. But you may want to bring back Von Bell. I, I was happy to see the projection, like PFF and Brad doing that. I, when it said seven and a half in that range, oh, great. Okay, fine. I was nervous we'd see 10 or 12, and then we'd have to make a decision. You know, I posted Juan Thornhill, former draft crush of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Uh, he was number seven overall in our in our board that year. I went back and looked. Very uh, high. Yes, and he's still young and athletic and good. And I was like, you know what? If you're spending six to seven, eight million dollars, I'd rather have a guy like that that's a little younger, more athletic, can yeah. do more in coverage. But then, do you want to lose the continuity? Do you want to flip so much in one year? Jadobia Wuzi may not be ready to go. We don't know when it, what his timetable looks like. And even if he is ready to go, we know it can sometimes take a year and a half to recover from those injuries. So do you go and keep an eye Eli Apple for to keep some of that continuity? Do you want that again? Do you want the bit of a distraction that he can be at times? Uh, but he's a solid depth player that has to step in. Is that the spot you spend money or is it more of that's a draft pick again, even though Cam Taylor Britt showed up so much? I think you can spend a first or second round pick on a corner and say, OK, in the future, because Wuzier is in the final year of his deal, it could be Cam Taylor Britt on the outside, Hilton for one more year in the slot, and then that rookie takes over in 2024, and that's a solid plan. Yeah, I think the corner's absolutely on the table for for those reasons. They need a corner in two years, pending Cheeto, right? Like, we don't know what's going to happen with Cheeto coming off the ACL. Love him as a player. He's one of my favorite Bengals. I, I I get attached to Bengals corners. Leon Hall is up there too. Even if he bounces back at the way he was, though, I mean There's that now makes year. it hard to keep him. There's one year on his deal. He's going to be a free agent at 29, I believe. And so you could try to do another three years, but that's playing with fire a little bit with, with the age 30 really being a magic number in the NFL. Mm-hmm. That's that's where draft a corner comes from, right? Is you don't know how Cheeto is going to be. You need one probably in two years anyway. You, you always need depth. We just saw that. So that that's where I'm at on corner. The Bengals currently projected to be spending the sixth most against the cap at safety in 2023, which we might have discussed earlier. But cl- clearly there's money to spend on safety too, unless they try to go really cheap there and spend elsewhere. Like we could see Logan Wilson extension, sure, right? Um, which would bump up the linebacker number a little bit this year and, and a lot next year. Um, T Higgins would bump up the receiver. They're 19th right now at receiver, and they're gonna they're gonna be spending money at receiver. It's gonna go up into top two, I would assume. And and then yeah, and then Tyler Boyd's probably needs a replacement there. So going back to like the future year needs, talking about corner, you got to talk about slot receiver too. Yep. Which I guess if you needed to draft a receiver this year, that would be the kind of receiver you would want to draft in this class. Uh, at least is my preliminary impression mm-hmm. of this draft class. So. It's interesting uh, because we talk about where we want them to get better. And a lot of that conversation is get some, get, get the pass rusher. They don't and have that guy. The and, flip and they side don't have the money to spend there. Right. That's what I was going to say. The flip side is where are you comfortable getting worse? Is that safety this year? Is that linebacker? And I don't know the answer to that. Right. I don't even know if I have an opinion on it really. I kind of maybe I'm accepting it that maybe Dax Hill is going to be a little bit more rougher than Jesse Bates at that free safety. And it is what it is. And we'll take maybe the upside. Maybe Dax will take a step and he's a tremendous player. That'd be awesome for this defense. Uh, but linebacker, if you have to lose Jermaine Pratt and Akeem Davis Gaither, who we all liked three years ago, maybe there won't be much of a, of a loss there. Uh, maybe Marcus Bailey, you know, takes that job, whatever the case may be. Uh, but maybe the difference between them 
the Jermaine Pratt and whoever it may be. Maybe it's not that big. Maybe it doesn't matter. That's the argument at linebacker, right? So I don't know. Don't know where I'm going with that, but those are two positions where you might get worse in order to get better elsewhere. I think corner is is a sneaky one here too. To get worse? Mm-hmm. I mean, they got worse throughout the year, and it didn't have a major It didn't matter. On them. Yeah. Loose so, scheme and the safety play. I mean, so like – Right. So, so that's where it gets complicated is that you've got Lou Anarumo as part of the equation. You've got the safeties as part of the equation and, and, and the cohesion and the continuity that they had as part of the equation. So if they lose too much of that, yeah, then suddenly the individuals you have at corner are much more important. And, and I don't say this to diminish Cheeto, Cheeto's importance because they did lose something when they lost Cheeto. Absolutely. But you let Eli go, you, you maybe send a send a mid-round draft pick on a corner again and you know third round, maybe day two. I I think the moral of all this is and the lesson and maybe the preparation and, and again I'm gonna bring up the Chiefs. Uh the Chiefs looking at it when they couldn't spend too much this year and they had to get rid of Tyree Kill, they took the draft picks, recoup all that, and you, you see how their roster is constructed, and they've got I think it is five big contracts at the very top. And then they have no Mike Hiltons or Chidobi Awuzie's or Vaughn Bells. They have no mid-tier guys making $8 million or whatever it is. They needed to hit on their draft picks. They had a lot of picks, but they needed their rookies to have an instant contribution for them in order to get back to where they wanted to be. And they did, and they nailed it. And drafting is going to become more and more important for the Bengals over this next stretch. Not only identifying the right players, getting the right positions, but mapping out okay, we're going to lose a Trey Hendrickson in two years, and that's okay because we've drafted a defensive end that will replace him. You've got to have some type of plan there. And the last time the Bengals were here, they did not do so well. If you want to go back to the the really good drafting from 2010 to 2013, when they got to 2014 and 15, they fumbled the bag a little bit by identifying positions and players way too early, I think, and, and rounds early. And I only say this because of what I've heard and from like when Dave Lapham is going on on the morning of Saturday and saying they like Will Clark, they like Russell Bodine, they like Jeremy Hill. And it's like, oh, how did you how do you call that three rounds ahead? You got to let the board fall to you just a little bit. And yeah, so they like, like they like Jackson Carmen. Yes, exactly. So we can't fall into that again. It comes, you got to let the Creed Humphrey fall to you. You got to let the Trey uh, Smith fall to you. You, you can't go out and go too far ahead. You can't go say we know Drew Sample is going to be exactly what we need for this second mm-hmm. round pick. You got to let it fall to you a little bit more. So it makes it harder to predict for us, but probably better for them in the end. Yeah, hopefully that is a position they're in this year where they can scoop up the fallers. When's the last time they did it? They haven't had a day like, three pick in a long time. They haven't had one hit. Yeah, I was looking at this recently as well. It. It's interesting for them. They're going to have to – this like that can't continue. You have to find the Isaiah Pacheco yeah. somewhere. Yeah, you think about the the Chiefs getting se- – they had seven defensive rookies on the field. And I know they had Chris Jones on the field too and and Frank Clark on the field, playoff Frank Clark. Uh, but that's the idea. you got the couple bloated stars, and then you've got to be able to hit drafting because it's cheap labor. And, and they had two first-round picks too. They did. So, like, finding the extra picks, finding the ways to take extra swings, that's important for this team, too. A lot of people are saying, you know, it would be a shame to let T. Higgins walk for nothing if it comes to that, but you do still get the comp- uh, the compensatory picks, and a big part of when the Bengals were drafting well, that kept them drafting well, was having those extra swings. 
and having those compensatory picks. And so I agree with you is, is a bottom line about the importance of the draft. This is something that we've talked about quietly, I think, for, for the last few years. When you start to have the current surplus value become guys that you have to pay, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins over the next several years, and now you're paying you know, Alex Kappa, I think, for all of those years as well. Uh, for at least three more years, right? And Ted Karras for a few more years. And you start to have some of these defensive contracts come up. They're not going to likely be back again. And that's where you have to hit on picks. It's hard to swallow that, I think, for a lot of people. Because like, unless they want to work on some extensions and move some cap money this year, right? I, I think you could potentially restructure or add a year to Hendrickson or, or Reader if they really wanted to do it. Uh, but they're not up against the cap. They got a lot of money. And, you know, it's really more about the future years there. Yeah. I, I mean, they have a lot of cap space. Yeah. It, it disappears pretty quick. It does. I'll tell you that. We've seen I, it before. As I've, as I've started to go through this exercise a little bit, putting contracts together for some guys that I think the Bengals might like to extend and, and kind of seeing where they would be after those moves. Are you using the numbers that you, how the Bengals would typically structure? Or yeah. are you putting void years? Are you trying to no. push cap years? I'm not trying to push it because we don't have any evidence that this is going to be a way they do business. Until they do, I can't project it. Yeah. Anyway, going to be interesting to see. We'll, we'll of course get into more details. As you know, we'll do our free agent tiers like we've done. We'll we're, we're doing our draft stuff again this year, right, Joe? Yeah, I was going to actually reach out to you because I started to watch draft prospects as Senior Bowl week. Uh, it got me a little excited, so I wanted to make I got a lot of volunteers for some help too of uh, building it and coordinating it. So, so we'll have plenty of of additional content to prepare you for free agency in the draft, but we're still easing into the off season. We're not ready to dive full into it. We're not doing mock drafts in November anymore on lockdown Bengals. This is uh, slowly making our way into the off season before we dive into some of the specific topics. So that's Joe Goodberry. You can find him on YouTube. It's called Cincinnati Bengals talk one day a week Bengals on the brain. And you'll probably find him here in the near future as well. In addition to on Twitter, you can see his name on the screen. If you're watching on YouTube at Joe Goodberry, we appreciate his time and always like the conversation until next time. Bengals fans will be joined by Andre Perota. James will be back on the show to talk about the salary cap and the Bengals cash situation in a little bit more depth. That'll be coming your way next time on lockdown Bengals. Thanks for listening. Who day and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.